Good morning, Remy. Good morning, Brett. The crud has struck your house. Yeah, it has. It's made its way through a, a couple of my kids, and now I have fallen prey to it. So I'm like a leppy calf. I got snot running out. I just sit in the shower and hope for the best. You need a little exceed or something, huh? I need something. I should have enough of it in the barn, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that it's like going around everywhere. Everybody's sick. And I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I got a preschooler, so I'm going to get everything that's out there. There you are. How was your Valentine's Day? Probably much like yours. Very uneventful. I got a... You did get something. I got flowers and balloons and coffee. And uh, then I uh, was going to make dinner last night. We went, we got a steak. I did all that. And we got the last filets when we were at the market. The last and of the what? The last of the filet mignons when we were at the market. Oh. And um, the boys, I went to go grab ice cream. And I didn't pay attention when I was checking out. We get home and I have like everything going, all the sides. And there was a... Uh, only one steak in the refrigerator because I got I get the boys ribeyes and uh I go Kyle did you like leave something in the car he goes no so I look at the receipt and there was no steak on there but I've gone to the meat counter I had it all seasoned and everything so someone snagged it out of my cart oh shoot but at least I didn't pay for it I mean apparently they needed it more than me and then we go today to pick up our uh freezer yeah. we go to pick up our freezer full of beef today so you know I won't have to go to the meat counter anymore and uh, that was also an adventure. You called during that. I um, got a commercial freezer delivered yesterday. And it wouldn't fit in the garage on the pallet. So, so where is that? Well, now it's in the garage. So I call uh, I, my friend Ty that's Rockin' G Farms. He does the uh, arena de-rocking. He and his wife were over working on our arena. And he drove over with his tractor. So we put the forks on that. We got it all situated and in the middle of getting it situated because you have to like tilt it back to get it off the pallet because the wheels are inside the pallet. It's very tricky. It started hailing on us. So we're like leaned up on like an 800 pound freezer trying to hold it in the hail as it's like pelting Sarah and I in the face and eyes. But it, it's in now. So, you know. Well, it matters. It's a, it, it was an adventure. And then, and then I didn't have steak. So I had to make cheeseburgers last night. Well, I did not get flowers. We don't. I usually get something super funny. Like last year, he got me one of those huge. Um, well, I think it's funny because we're just not like the present type of people. And I don't expect that. If he would bring me flowers, I'd probably be like, what the hell's wrong? But last year, he came home with like one of the giant truck driver pop things from the Circle K. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like literally as wide as I am. He's like, here you go. And it's a gift that keeps on giving 99 cent refills for life. <laughs> so, I mean, <coughs> there, we took a trip to Walmart yesterday, so I'll remember that for a while now. Yeah, I, uh, like I said, James brought me a uh, coffee and a cheese Danish and um, a purple flower. Oh, he did buy me coffee, yes, from yeah, Dutch Brothers, which I, I love. I don't really like pink and red flowers, so James bought me purple flowers and then my boys had my mom get me sunflowers because sunflowers are also I mean it's so I mean shocking that you would be um 
so particular on the color of flowers <laughs> that you like. But I, okay, so it's not that I don't like pink flowers. Or I'm like, I don't think red roses are pretty. I don't like the color. Like I'd much have a, like white or pink or yellow. Like I just, I think it's honestly like the most boring color of rose. This is how I view Remy now. She is the most unsuspecting bougie person I've ever <laughs> met in my life. That's, just, that's that. Yeah. I'm a lot. It's okay. <laughs> unsuspecting bougie is what I'm now referring to it as. So while I was at Walmart yesterday, I got a new creamer. I mean, the things that excite a person. A new creamer. And it's honey, cinnamon, and vanilla. And let me tell you, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah. I, uh, I tried the medicine bowl yesterday at Starbucks. Like, you know, that's supposed to, like, make you feel better when you're sick. And um, they call it's now called the medicine ball. It used to be called like the honey mint tea. And it's like honey and lemonade and tea. And it sounds gross. And I'm going to be honest, it is gross. It's not great. Everyone swears by it. And I was like, I will just take a hot mint tea. I don't need the lemonade in it. But I'm getting where I'm going with this is a girlfriend. Another girlfriend of mine told me to try it. And another one had sent me, she said when she was little, she's like, my mom used to make this tea that she thought was like really cool. And it was called friendship tea. And when she was helping her parents, um, her parents are getting older. She found the recipe and friendship tea is like Tang and Nest tea and something else mixed. And so I was like, oh my God, Starbucks makes a bougie friendship tea that is kind of gross. The medicine bowl. <laughs> oh, funny. Um, Oh, uh, how was the Etsy shop coming? It's coming. We're selling some stuff. One of the sweatshirts, uh, which was not a, a coffee with the cowgirls was too dark. Someone got it, but they're going to get refunded on it. The shop, the printer is working with me. And I was like, why would you send this out? Like, this doesn't look great. Just the design was too dark on the color, but everything else is good. Good. Yeah. We're starting to sell some coffee cups because who doesn't need more coffee cups? I have 19 currently in my barn and counting, so. Yeah, mine are, there's like a plethora of them everywhere. I, know, I, I told, I had like the, I thought it might be in here. I have a tall cup that I had water in and I sent Brayden out for it. He goes, hey, can you go grab my coffee cup? Or can I go, can you go grab my water cup? And James goes, take a wheelbarrow, grab all of them, bring them all in for so hard well you got your sale catalog done it's out it's online it's released to the world i know well okay, yeah so it goes to print this morning and i feel like i've been a really bitter bitter person for the last three weeks not really myself and it's because that's been like in the back of my head and it's something that i really i just am not a fan of paperwork and i when i it's like i have to do it sitting there in front of me and I dread it and it's really not that bad, but I just hate doing paperwork of any kind. So um, I finished it yesterday and it was just like the freaking sun came out and I was a ray of fucking sunshine again. That's what I felt like, Remy. I'm like, how, how can I go from being like this bitter little person because I'm just like so pained that I have to do this. And then it was over and I'm like, 
really wasn't that bad. I mean, it really was like the freaking sun came out and all was well. My world again. Well, look at you. Moving on. Onward and upward, Breck. Onward and upward. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like I can take on my life again. Feel good about it. Feel good about it. So yeah, the horse sale is all done. Um, I shouldn't say it's all done, but catalog is done. Catalog is in print in motion this morning. So it'll be online here probably in the next two days, I would say the full catalog will be. Um, yeah, next step is videos, get all the videos done and in. But really cool lineup of horses. I'm super excited. Um, it's gonna be a fun weekend because Cattlemen's is during Cattlemen's, which a lot of people don't know. And Cattlemen's is a bull and heifer sale. It's a big vendor trade show. They've got a dance on Saturday night after every all the festivities. They put on a big team roping jackpot on Friday and then the horse sale. And this year, well, last year was our first year of having the horse sale and it went really good. So I think that it drew more attention for the bull sale. And now the bull sale is bursting at the seams the way it sounds. They've got a lot of really good bulls for that. And they were excited. The vendor area has multiplied, I know. Um, so it's going to be cool. Feeling good about it. That's, again, onward and upward. Yeah. Thanks. And then the cowgirl sort, I have my cowgirl sort this weekend. That'll be fun. We have a, the second in our, winter, in our winter series I got in our High Point Awards. So we go this weekend, we go the same weekend as your horse sale, March 18th and 19th. And then we finish on April 1st and 2nd. So, you know. Just, just plugging along out here, but um, we got these like bitch and ice chests. So I was putting our sponsor stickers on them and you know, they're like the giant like Arctic ice chest. So I like those. Fun. Those are good prizes. Yeah. I know someone was like, uh, they were talking about, we get, you know, a lot of people get awards that they don't use. And I was like, well, I got my USTPA ice check ice chest in the, the back of the truck I won. And if I wouldn't have sold it, I could be pulling the bumper pull I want to. I don't care if I want it, I'm going to use it. And then I have horse coolers from like the mid nineties, like that I still use. I, yeah. I like, I, I like to win things. <laughs> I like to use them. Everybody likes to win something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had the, some of the horse coolers I had like hanging on my wall and I was like, why? I was like, I need more horse coolers. I'm just going to take, I'm just going to untack that one and use it on my horses. Use it. Use it. So today we are going to interview Breck because she interviewed me a long time ago. And I talk about myself all the time. So we get to ask Breck questions today. Which seems awkward because... I'm always the one who asked the questions. I know. I, th I really thought I was going to get more pushback when I when I broached that subject. Well, you know, last week I was super tired and I could barely keep my eyes open on here. And I just feel much more refreshed this week. So maybe, yeah, you just caught me at a good day yesterday. Good timing, I think, uh, Remy. Something. 
you know, if it doesn't work out, we just won't post it. It's fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Not weird. So where did you grow up? So I grew up in Iowa. Um, and I think that I've shared that I really disliked Iowa a lot. Most people know that. Um, I was in horses from a very young age. Uh, started with POAs, backyard ponies, um, and then moved my way up. And uh, I think I just knew that as soon as I could get out of Iowa, I would be out of Iowa. But luckily for me, my mom and dad um, saw that I had a love for horses, like I said, from the time I was little. So they bought me a pony, a POA pony, and started taking me to horse shows. Like how most get into it, we had no idea what we were doing. And next thing you know, my mom and I were traveling all around the country, going to all of these POA shows, doing all around events. I did it all. Western, hunts, halter, showmanship, horsemanship, games, um, the whole thing. What a lot of people don't know, which is what is really cool, um, or what was really cool, is my traveling partners and neighbors were Denton and Drew DeBurr, who are both extremely talented Western pleasure trainers that have done amazing things in the industry. Um, both of them have won, um, you know, very high accolades of what they've won over the past 20 years. And then their uncle was Mike Davis, who worked for, oh, I can never, um, McCutcheon's. Okay. The reigning horse trainer. Tom. So in the summertime, we would load our ponies up and we would go to what would be our world show. And it was always in like Tulsa or something like that. And we would go down to Texas and spend a week with the McCutcheons and train with Mike, our ponies at this big raining horse farm. Um, and then head on down to our world finals. So pretty cool because we were all small town POA kids and we're all full-time horse industry people now. So, um, yeah. Yeah, cause you mentioned last week that you lived with a couple different people. So did you actually live with them or did you just spend a lot of time there? So yeah, I spent a lot of time with Anne. I, another neighbor, we, even though I'm in a very rural Iowa, there was a lot of horse people right around us, stock horse people. And Anne Lubers was one of them. And she owned a stallion called Real Bonanza, who is a paint horse. Uh, she had a really big breeding farm. She was really big into showing paint at that time. And we did not live far from each other. So I was at Dan's house all the time, working for her, cleaning stalls. I was young, just doing whatever she needed, kind of learning the ropes. <clears throat> and then um, Anne used to show Arabians and was heavy into the Arabian industry. And she kind of got me started with that. They, the Arabian horse farm needed somebody to catch ride their young horses. So she introduced me to them. I went over there. I was 14 and I started traveling with them. Um, 
it started off as just weekends. My mom would go drop me off at the weekends and on Friday night and pick me up on Sunday. And then in the summertime, I lived with them. And then, I don't know. I, I was doing that with them from the time I was 14 until college. Yeah, I mean, I had the... And someone called me and they were looking for a girl. And I said, there's just not bar... Because we was... I was one of them too. We called people like that barn rats, right? Like we would do whatever you could do to go ride and ride a lot of different horses. And I think some of that is, um, I think some of that is lost today, not having barn rats, you know? I think that, um, I think like those hours in the barn, like doing all the stuff, right? Rolling bandages, cleaning, cleaning pens, washing horses, not getting paid to ride, really. All the stuff that ends up making you a horseman, aside from riding, I think it's lost on a lot of a lot of people. And now I sound old, like my generation did this. But it's true, you know, we you would just be like unattended at the barn for hours when, when I was little. I did the same thing. And yeah. it really, it added a lot to my life, so. Well, I think that there's, there's a lot to be said about being involved in multiple facets of the industry or multiple breeds because they each have something to offer and teach you. Um, I think that so many people get like pigeonholed into one thing and I think it's good to learn multiple things and see how multiple uh, industries work. And I loved the Arabians. I learned a ton from them. I learned how to be soft. And I would say that a lot of people probably say as a rider, I'm really soft. And it was because of what they taught me. I mean, on an Arabian, they're not forgiving. So you don't have room for a lot of mistakes. They remember everything. And I was like most growing up, like an Arabian. I only knew backyard Arabians. I didn't know a show horse. And there's nothing more beautiful than an Arabian show horse. And they're extremely smart. What they can do is so cool. I have a lot of respect for the industry, the Arabian horse industry. Um, I don't really like the show horse industry anymore per se, but um, it was hard for me to leave that because I loved, I loved them. I loved them. I worked for a farm in Texas for a long time, or. I shouldn't say I worked for a farm in Texas for a long time. I got the opportunity to work for a farm in Texas for a summer and an Arabian farm. And it was a huge one, like 80 Arabian horses under a barn, one barn roof, um, multiple trainers, lots of national champions. It was pretty cool. No, they, uh, like I grew up with thoroughbreds and warm bloods, so it's why I can handle a lot of crazy too. Because I'm like, you know, quarter horses are easy after that. Right. I mean, just because they're not as big, it makes my life no. easier. Where did you go to college? So, I went to Blackhawk College, junior college in Kewanee, Illinois, which was one of the very best decisions I've ever made. Um, I feel like I make a lot of decisions in my life. Like I can just jump 
and that was the thing with college too. Like I, I knew, like I said earlier, the last place, I didn't know where I wanted to be, but I knew that the last place that I wanted to be was in Iowa. I disliked Iowa a lot and I wanted out. And I did not really want to go to college, but my dad told me I had to go to college because I could not be a horse trainer. And I said, fine. And I looked at a few places and he told me I, I also could not go to college for horses. Okay, fine. So I picked a college that had a horse program and just went there. I knew nobody. I didn't care. I just wanted out of Iowa. I knew if it had horses, I'd be fine. So I got there and um, it was a little junior college out in the middle of a cornfield. Everybody was a lot like myself. They were all egg kids. We were the Aggies. It was awesome. It was the best two years of my life. And that's where my best friend came from. They had a horse judging team. They had a uh, intercollegiate horse judging team. And then they had a really good livestock judging team too. Like the two best JUCO judging teams in the United States probably. I'd never even heard what horse judging was. I, I didn't know some such a thing existed, but all of my friends, they, that I met there, they were all on the horse judging team. And they're like, come on, you've got to do it. Okay. Well, I've been around horses my whole life so I could judge a horse. They took me to my first competition. Um, I was definitely the low score drop. I won, I would have won the competition I dropped two points, which is very low, but I couldn't talk. I, I didn't know how to give a set of reasons. They hadn't taught me that yet. So I did not do very well. Um, and then I started working hard. I wanted to quit multiple times because the reason part was really hard for me, <clears throat> but I stuck with it. And another great experience that I wouldn't trade for the world. Our team won a lot of national championships. They paid for my college because I was a judge. I mean, Blackhawk gave me a full scholarship to do it. I did not want, I went for egg business too, by the way. And I did not want to leave that little school. I loved that little school and what it did for me. Did not want to leave there, but knew I couldn't stay forever. And so I forced myself to move again. And I forced myself to go to South Dakota State, which was just another random off the wall freaking decision, much like your history master's degree. <laughs> and yeah, so I moved to South Dakota, um, Brookings, South Dakota from Illinois to go for ag business again, to finish out my ag business degree. And I hated it at first. It was, um, hard because I didn't know anybody. Once again, it's cold. There was a lot of horses there, but they were all rodeo horses, not like anything that I was used to. And, um, I got a job working for this guy who traded cow horses. And that was once again, something I'd never done, but I loved it. I had a lot of fun working for John. Um, that was my introduction to what a cow horse can do. And I started going to horse sales with him and riding his horses through the ring, getting the horses all prepared. And 
that's how I met Brandon. Look at you. All, all roads lead you to where they're supposed to go. So yeah. did you tour, did you tour schools or were you just like, I think that looks good in the brochure. I'm going to go there. No, Remy, much <laughs> like my pregnancies, like I was the girl who never went to the hospital because I didn't want to see what was going to, I mean, I knew what was going to happen, but I didn't want to go there and actually see what they were going to be doing to me. I didn't want the tour of the hospital. None of that. That's much like how I've lived most of my life. Like I'm like, Brookings, South Dakota sounds good, so sign me up, and that's yeah. what I did. I'm going to be honest, no part of South Dakota sounds good to me. Oh, I, but I'm, not from, I'm also place. not from the Midwest. I would just be like, that is far too cold for me. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good where I'm at. It could have been 90 degrees, and the wind would be blowing like a mother. It never, it was windy there all the time. Um. It was fun though. Like I, there was a lot of good things that came out of South Dakota too. Um, Brandon being one of them. That was fun. Once I met him, uh, it, that happened pretty fast too. Cause next thing you know, we were living together and um, he'd been in the horse business his whole, his whole life. So we were young. I mean, we were, he was 20 when we met. I was 21. We rented a barn. I think we had 10 stalls that we rented. We had a boarding barn. There's multiple boarding barns there, but the one that we were at had probably 25 stalls. We rented 10 of them and we rode horses that we would sell. I mean, we were going to, we had a little Ford Taurus car. We would go to horse sales every single weekend um, all over. Amarillo, Salina, Canada, uh, where else? Billings. South Dakota used to have a lot of horse sales back then. We would go to all of them and um, buy horses. Brandon worked for his dad at that time. So we'd buy horses for Brian and then get them shipped back. We'd take some back to Brookings with us and ride them. And yeah, it was kind of crazy time. When did you guys open your sale barn? Or was well, they had always had the sale barn. They had always, I don't even know how long that they had the sale barn for. It was when we were done with college and we moved back to Minnesota and we started living. There's a little house at the sale barn. And we lived in that little house and took care of the barn and the horses that were at the barn just helped his dad run it on a monthly basis. We had a large part to do with it, I would say. And I think that that must have been in, I don't even know, 2003. So, and then when I left college, before I left, I accepted a job with Lando Lakes Purina. I'd always wanted to work in corporate America even though I've been immersed in my horse or the horse industry my whole life, like I was, I have to get this big job in corporate America. And I got it right out of, or before I left college. And we 
were trying to do all of the things. You know, the the sale barn, gone on the weekends. And then I had that corporate job and traveled every day quite a bit. So I mean it's like the farthest thing from rural I was, a corporate job. In the egg industry though, so Yeah. No, it's uh, is there anything you regret about college? I loved college. I was not a good student. I was a terrible student. Um, but socially, I was amazing. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I met so many friends or made so many friends. Um, Definitely made the most out of that experience. Got to do a lot of really cool things. Like, we talked about friendship last week, and I sounded so bitter about it. And I'm not. I There's probably people listening here who know me really well. I'm a very social person. There is not a person that I haven't met that I don't know a piece about. Um, I'm just tired of the drama people. So there's that. And this doesn't mean I don't love people, because I do love people. But... Because I'm social, so social, I got to do so many cool things in college. Like, I got to be friends with all the livestock judges. I know nothing about livestock folks. Like, I've been in the horse business my whole life. I didn't, like, Remy knows, well, you didn't know Cal before you met James, I don't think. But because I, I also was not an FFA. James was on the judging team and all that. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know any of that. Cool. I like to go to the fair and look at the big shiny steers, but it wasn't for me. Yeah, no, but I got to be friends with all those livestock judges and their coaches. So, like, they would take me with them on their judging trips. I don't even know how I got to do it because that's, like, not something that would happen. But I talked my way into it so I could go with them to wherever they were going to go practice, like, to look at cattle or pigs or wherever. Um, that, that was awesome. And then because I was such good friends with them, they would take me like to Louisville with them to that big show in Louisville. I forget what it's called, the Nile. Yeah. Also like super cool. Um, my best friend is in the cattle industry. So I got to go with her to like all of the beef expos. I had a ton of fun. I loved it. Great, great time in my life. I couldn't do it. Like I'm always like, oh, I'd like to go like relive it for like two days. I don't think my body could handle that. <laughs> I uh, I had a I had a teacher one time that told me you'll either be, you can only be really sad with one of your graduations, right? So, high school, undergrad, or graduate school. He's like, but you can't, you won't be really sad at all three. And uh, I really think I only had like one real moment of sadness for high school, and they were also playing like a Sarah McLaughlin song. You know, the one with like the sad puppies. They played that at our graduation before it was part of that. Like song. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, it wasn't part of that commercial then, but I think that was, uh, yeah, I was sad. I, when I, left. I think I was sad when I left college, but even then, like, I mean, I kind of decided because I came down to two schools I wanted to go to and just one. I really just accepted the one that accepted me first. I mean, I applied to other schools. I got into other schools, but it came down to two. And then I was like, 
yeah, I like this campus better, so I'm going to go here. I'm pretty sure that my bags were packed the day after I graduated high school. There was no tears shed. And I don't know why that I just, I mean, but that was like no secret. Everybody knew that I was like, would never stay in that town. Like I just did not like it. it. Wasn't for me. You were waiting for your Hallmark movie. Look, you got it. Oh. You were there. Oh. Riding oh, horses. Yeah. In no, a sailboat when you looked across the ring and found someone else. No, Remy, let's be honest. <laughs> I found Brandon at the food stand at the horse sale. That is where I found Brandon. <laughs> Yeah, we met at we met over French fries, Remy. That's that's even a, a better meet cute, right? You're circling around and then you meet them, not on the road. Yeah, yeah. So when did you guys get your place in Lake Lillian? I don't know. Oh um, my god, I don't even know how many years we've had it for. Well, so folks, what you should also understand is like, but I feel like I'm tough. I'm tough and the home has never made a family for me or however you say that. What? I don't know how you say that. How do you say no, that? Like the, home the, house, the house is not your home. Yeah. The house is not my home. Yeah. I think that's whatever. I've always felt that way. And it's just whoever you're surrounded by is what makes it for me. Um, the sale barn house was the shittiest, shittiest house you've ever seen in your life. But it was also the house that's like, I could cry talking about the sale barn house right now because most people would not ever live in the sale barn house. Most people like I can really cry talking about this because the sale barn house is whom that's what made us. We lived in the sale barn house for a long time. You had to wear muck boots downstairs to go do your laundry because there was always like that much water. It's not safety, safety third, Brett, safety third. You know, I was willing to do whatever it took Remy to make the dream come. I mean, really make the dream come. We'll do anything. And a lot of people don't know this Part of our story either i mean and this was such a huge part of our life the sale barn um so that house is truly like i don't know i just think that that house did a lot of really good things for brandon and i it taught us how to work it taught us who we wanted to be it taught us to love the dream you know and it taught us that it's not what you have it's who you have and so we did monthly sales there because i feel like this part is so important we did monthly sales in the summer it was um monday nights and in the winter it was saturdays and brandon and i busted our asses because i was working a full-time job and he was got like there was times that we went together, but a lot of times I stayed home because I take, I took care of everything that was at the barn. And then Brandon was out on the road. He would usually leave on Friday night or early Friday morning, and he wouldn't be back until Sunday night late or Monday morning, drive all night. I mean, we did that all the time. We were driving 24 seven because usually like in the summertime, 
he would be on his way back from a horse sale on Sunday night and we would be selling those, some of those same horses on Monday night. So he would get home at one o'clock in the morning and we would be up by six, seven o'clock, clipping, bathing, riding everything to make sure everything was good. We supplied um, a lot of large places on the East Coast with their camp horses, just so people understand that, um, all their saddle horses. And that was our life for so long. I mean, and that was a schedule. Like you get used to schedules, right, Remy? And the day that we didn't have that schedule anymore or the day that the barn was done was a really hard day for me because I was used to it. And I could not see, I didn't know how life, I didn't know, I didn't understand or know what life would look like after that barn. I mean, we sold, Brandon and I, I mean, we freaking started with nothing, like absolutely nothing. We scraped together everything we had. We, I will never forget the first horse that we sold that was our own for over 10,000. That was a really big deal for us. And that was many, 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 many years ago. Um, I remember when Bodie was a baby and we were only out of the horse. We were two weeks out of the hospital and we had Bodie locked on the scale in a stroller while we showed people from Brazil 30 head of horses, bareback, <laughs> halters and lead ropes. Um, I remember coming home from the hospital with Bodie to that sale barn house by myself because Brandon was at a horse sale in Kansas. He, I mean, that's the life that we lived is like we were busy all the time and it's crazy to think in like the house in Lake Lillian we looked for that house for, we lived in the sale barn house for like six or seven years, I want to say. And we looked for that house for five years because, well, A, we wanted to be able to put a really big chunk of money down to be able to buy the house. We didn't want to have to take out a big loan. So, and we couldn't afford anything at that time because everything was so expensive and our expensive to your expensive is much different. Um, and I was, I'd lived in the sale barn house. I was willing to live about and about anything. The thing that was the most important to me was what the barn looked like. I wanted a barn. And we found the house that we live in now. We put an offer in and the offer wasn't even accepted. It went into foreclosure like the next day. And I just said to Brandon, I said, that's the, that's the place I want because I love that barn. So we waited and we bought it a year later the day it came off of foreclosure. And I don't know how long ago that was. Long time. So. It's, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think people don't give themselves enough credit for, or, you know, finding a new way. Cause it is, it's, it's devastating when you have something that is part of your life that has been consistently part of your life go away. And, uh, when you're that age too, like now I've had so many. Yeah, you don't you I don't have, have the experience to tell you you'll be okay, really. Yeah, you like, don't understand. Like uh, it's just a bump in the road. But you, it's it's uh, 
Yeah, especially when you're younger, right? Like it's it's catastrophic. And sometimes it's catastrophic when you're older. James always says I, I'm too optimistic. I mean, because, you know, I'm so cheery and lighthearted. Um, but it's not, I, I think the same thing, just like you said, like you and Brandon busted your ass. Well, if you bust your ass, you'll be successful at something. Maybe not what you thought it was going to be, but at something. And it's funny too, how stuff seems to work out. So you probably ended up paying less after it went into foreclosure than the offer that you made. And yeah, I don't even really remember. But I mean, that's like, we, we've seen a lot of stuff like that, like where it just doesn't work out the way you want it to work out. And it ends up working out better mm -hmm. in the end. But it's a tough pill to swallow at that moment when you're, um, you know, it's it's all the unanswered prayers that end up working out, honestly, because there's a lot of stuff that I'm I'm glad I didn't get. It worked out better for me in the end, at least yeah, less stressfully. I don't even know. It seems so weird, like as we talk through it, to talk about some of it. Cause it seems like it was just so long ago and it really wasn't that long ago, but it seems like it. No, it's a, it's whole different. We used to live in an apartment house, right? Like these very nice kind of like little town homes and we were still training horses out of the ranch. That's the same thing. And I had Kyle when we were living in that apartment. I, um, it does, it seems like two or three lifetimes ago. Like I can't even remember the person I was then as to now. I mean, I can kind of, but. You know, and I think it's important too. It's like you said, home is so. Brandon's your person. Like Brandon's home for you, and now you get yeah. extension, your boys. But think of all the ways that both of you have changed, and the one constant is the two of you. So you've gone through a couple different. I say this a lot. You you end up going through different versions of yourself in marriage and in friendships, but you have to be willing to you know stick with it longer than the bump in the road that is not easy most of the time. Oh yeah. And, um, I think it was last week. Somebody said to me, um, who's also in the horse business and they're just like, oh, I'm just so stressed out and something else. And I was like, you know, I'm coming to find out, coming to find out. I don't think that the stress actually goes away. I think it's just something that you have to learn how to live with because this business is extremely stressful. And, um, Brandon and I, we definitely, definitely have our battles sometimes on a daily basis. Like I want to kill him. He wants to kill me, but at the end of the day, we both really love each other and we're a team and what we do doesn't work without him. And it doesn't work without me because the things that I'm not good at, he's really good at. And the things that he's not good at, I'm really good at. And you need both of them. And there are many days that I want to kill him. And there are many days that he wants to kill me. And we can freak out on each other, but we always come back to each other. And probably six months ago, I'm sure that we were in an all out pissing match. And um, I'm not afraid to say it because if you've been around us, you've probably seen it at some point in time. But I, I think that that is, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of being a good team is that 
it can't be roses and sunshine all the time. It absolutely cannot, especially if you're doing something that is as stressful. And we were in a pissing match and we went to bed. I think he tried to be mad at me and he came back and he laid down beside me and he's like, you know, um, one thing about you and I is that no matter how mad I am at you, there's only one place I want to be at night and that's right next to you. And he's right. Like, cause this, I don't, well, it doesn't matter if you're in the horse industry or whatever you do in life. I mean, you have to have a partner who's willing to walk through it with you and you have to have a partner who understands your weaknesses and is able to, you know, pick that up or help you. And I think that we do a good job of that. We don't like it. We probably compliment each other better than anybody actually knows. So, no, I think, uh, and I want to kill him most days. It's, I love you always. I don't always like you. Um, and working with your spouse is hard. Working with your spouse when you're both committed and intense is even harder. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of self-employed people are always walking on quicksand because just when you think you have something figured out, the economy changes or, or something else goes wrong that's fully out of your control. And it, it sucks. But... You do. You have to have each other's back. And I, I think you see a lot of couples fight too. And then they get so much on the fight that they fight with each other. And it's like, if we're not a team, then what, then, then what am I out here fighting for? Cause there's a lot easier things to do if we're not in it together. And, yeah. Um, and I've, um, well, and I think I've said this on here before, you know, some things that you should also know about me too, is I worked in corporate America for 17 years. I was over the road. I was putting on a lot of miles every week. I mean, I can't even remember what my log would say anymore, like what I was doing for miles, but definitely 800 plus miles a week and coming home every night. And then I quit and it was him and I full time together. That took a long time to understand it took a long time to get in the groove the hang of how we work together daily um day in and day out 24 hours a day that was weird for me i was always on the road at 17 years i was on the road 17 years i took my kids to daycare and i was gone and when I come home, I was out in the barn helping, but not 24 seven. It took me a long time to figure out my role. When I quit my job within our business, our company, for a long time, I thought that I needed something else. Like I had to have my own business because I didn't think that it was just enough for him and I to work together, which is more than enough. Um, it took me a long time to understand what I should be doing to help him in our business, like a long time. And it took a long time to understand 
that our relationship of being together all day and because what was happening is it was business all the time it was never time for him and i and i'm the type of person who can do that but brandon is not like he didn't want once we stepped inside the house he he just wanted me he didn't want business breck he wanted his wife breck does that make sense mm -hmm. and it was hard and i have i struggle with that i still struggle with that but it's getting better no it's and i think it's so james always jokes that he just we need one truck because if we only have one truck then i have to go with him i can't i can't be um in the other truck because for us too we built our business being on the road together and hauling and doing all that so now it's just it's different so it's the opposite for us i now stay more back more than i ever stayed back before right? i stay and take care of stuff i'm not i'm not the truck dog i'm not in the truck every every time with him so you know, uh, I, I, I'll travel with people and they're like, man, your husband calls you a lot. And I was like, no, we're on the phone. We were used to being together all the time. So we're on the phone most of the time if we're not together. And it is different. It is different. It's, it's, and it's a different relationship than a lot of people really think we have or understand, but you know, we spent a long time in the truck or on horseback together all the time. So you have to figure out and for us now we have kids, so you have to be less selfish with your time. And um, that that's it, it's an it's an interesting growth to figure out where you need to be and how you need to be there for yeah. each other. And you know, I do the same thing. I get if I just do more, if I just try harder, if I just work harder, if I just make us more money, if I do all this, then it'll be great. Well, you I've run myself ragged trying to make all the pieces fit. And for what? To be miserable when you come in or to go to sleep right away when you come in the house? So maybe you give some things up to have a better relationship. And that, I mean, James and I have been having that discussion. We were grinders for forever, right? I'll do everything it takes. I'll do anything it takes to be successful. Well, how much more successful do I need to be? Like, how much more do I need? What more do I need? What's going to make me happy? And it's, it's not, right? So it, it is hard to switch off the work brain, especially when you pride yourself on how hard you work and how much you can get done. And uh, also, I think that's a male thing too, like where you can walk through the door and they're like, oh, new mode. And you're like, I'm still pissed off about what you said to me back there. Pretty much. <laughs> well, we're still there. Yep, we are. <laughs> like this, this threshold isn't magic. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And, and now you're in Arizona and Minnesota. You're not bi-coastal because neither of them is a coast. No, I don't know what you would call it, but yeah. Which is also crazy because uh, somebody asked me a couple weeks ago, they're like, you must have had this all mapped out. Like nothing in my life is mapped out. Like it just... can't say that we just wake wake up and like no but i would say that we're not afraid of an opportunity if it presents itself that's what i would say but a lot of changes happened before this before before this all happened remy i quit riding like 
before this, that's where Top Hand Cowgirl and kind of Coffee with the Cowgirls came from. Because my life, I was tired for a different reason. Corporate America was like sucking me dry. I was giving everything to it. I thought that if I gave everything to corporate America, that that's where I would find success. And I did it for a long time. I did it until I about ran my car through daycare twice with my kid, with me out of the car and my kids in the car, me trying to get them out while the car was about running me over into the daycare. And that's when I knew after the second time it happened, I was like, I can't do this anymore because I'm making myself crazy and they will never tell me that I'm doing too much. I have to tell myself that. I mean, nobody in corporate America is going to tell you, you should lay back a little bit and relax because you're well, working too hard. They, they also don't care, right? No. Like, uh, they don't care. And the more you work, the more they expect you to work. So you have to. And I would never say no. Like, I thought that that was, I thought that the more they asked and the more I said yes, I thought that was success. Like, I'm doing such a good job. They just keep handing me stuff. That's not the case. Um, well, because they'll replace you tomorrow. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I had to take on the mentality. If I ever go to the nursing home, they're not going to be the ones who come visit me. So what's more important, my family or them? So... Yeah, I changed, did a career change in there to another corporate job that felt more, a little bit more like family. And I loved that. Bronson was born. I went through some mental stuff with Bronson. Still going through mental stuff with Bronson. My God, he's such a handful. Um, uh, and then like after I had Bronson, I feel, I think, I don't know what I felt like, but it just felt like I got my life taken away a little bit. And I don't, I don't know how you do it with the amount that you have, Remy, because I definitely know that that's what it was. I felt like I just got my life back and then it got taken away from me a little bit again. And as a mother, you feel like shit, a sack of shit for saying that, but that is how I felt. And I loved my kids, loved them. And then that was the other part of the problem. I loved them so much. I felt like I could not leave them. Yeah, I mean, I never had that problem. Like, I didn't have that anxiety about leaving my children. But it is, I think, I think that no matter how supportive your husband or your partner is, once you have children and, like, once you carry them, they have no idea, right? They have no idea the emotional and mental bond that you have with your children, it takes away pieces of you. And now, no matter how much you love them, you're bound to them for forever. Their needs will come first, always. And that becomes part of your identity. So now you're a wife and a mother, but you're not Breck first, right? You're the wife and mother first. You don't get to be Breck first. And that's hard. It's really hard. That's and again, hard it does, to do. you know, you don't, it does not matter how supportive they are. They do not understand because, and this isn't, 
again, this isn't like blaming husbands or partners, right? They get to be their own person no matter what, right? They're their own person, but you are now connected to them and you're connected to your children. And no matter how strong or a bad bitch you want to be, you're always somebody's wife or you're always somebody's mother. And that change that it's hard to find your identity in the middle of all of that. And then you add in postpartum hormones and it's yeah. a sinking feeling for some people. And that is where I was. And I mean, now at the time, like you, it was not a great time, but now I look back at it and I'm like, so many really good things came because out of the way that I felt, because I just feel like there's so many women who feel just like I did and they lose themselves and they don't feel like they're good enough anymore to do anything, quite frankly. And yeah, Top Hand was born from all of that. And I feel like it's a really good thing. And then COVID hits and was working remote at that point in time. And then Brandon was coming down here for a month at a time and liked it. And the next thing you know, we bought a farm or whatever you call an Arizona property. We bought an Arizona a property, ranch. a ranch, a five acre ranch, Remy. We bought a five acre ranch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then like, I mean, I remember him coming home. And so what I've learned the most from my husband is that I held him back for a really long time because money is something that is always in my head. Like, is there going to be enough money or I just stress about money a lot. And it's not because I feel like you, like we have to have money. I know how much the things cost that we do. And so I know how much money needs to be in the accounts at the end of every day. That is where I get a little, like, ooh. anyway, but we're, I, what I've learned about myself and my husband, and it took a long time to figure it out. And I learned it probably about the time that we bought this property is that for a long time, I held Brandon back because I would question things that he was really good at. And I don't even know how I came to it, but I'm like, every time I question him on something, he holds himself back. And if I would just keep my mouth shut, really good things would happen because of it. And we talked about that. And that is definitely what was happening is that I would put that little bit of doubt in his head. So I quit doing that and good things because he's a decision maker. He's a really good decision maker like that. Me, not so much. When the number gets up over a thousand, I do not want to talk about it. I not going to make that decision. That's a really, that's a lot of money. It's a bigger decision than I want to make. I'm not doing it. Um, but when he, or when we bought this property, he came home, he said, I found a piece of property. I want to buy down there. What do you think? And I was just like, if you think it's a good idea, I think that we should go with it. How, and my, I think my questions were, what will our life look like? What are we going to do with the kids? What 
are we going to do with the biz our business? And he said, I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. And I said, yeah, that's fine. We'll figure it out when we get there. Let's not think about it. And that is what we did. And we're, we still haven't figured it out. We're here, but I don't think we figured it out. And it's getting a little easier. <laughs> you just learn to manage chaos. It's uh. And I see, I, I, I approach things like we, we talk about this privately. I approach things differently. Like James looks to me to be the sounding board because he likes to talk about things, right? He likes to talk them out before they get done. And I'm just like, sure. It seems like a good idea. Let's do it. Right. Like I support you because it's the same thing. Like I trust him implicitly about what he's going to do. Right. And if it doesn't work out, I don't worry it didn't work out because something else will come along. It, it will work out. And uh, I just don't really doubt him or I'm like, okay, if this is my petty thing is an argument. If you want to tell me that I'm not making decisions, I will pair it back to you exactly what you said. And then you're like, I, and he'll be like, I didn't say that. I was like, no, no, I said exactly what you said. You said that you don't like apples, so I will no longer buy apples, right? Like I'm using something, I'm using something very benign. You said you don't like apples. Let's not buy apples anymore. Well, that's not exactly what I meant. Well, that's what you said. So if you want to tell me I've not made decisions, I'm telling you that I back you in all your decisions. So if you don't want to buy apples, we won't buy any fucking apples. I'm good. <laughs> like, and I think it's hard because for me, like it ends up sounding, it ends up sounding like I'm not supportive when it's the opposite. I am the most supportive, right? Whatever you want to do. I'm down, but fucking do make it. a decision. Just do it. Like, right, let's do it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't care about the reasoning. Tell me what to do. Give me marching orders. I'm going to go do them. And, you know, I, he's just like, you're so cut and dry. And I was like, I am because I don't let it take up mental space. I don't worry. I really don't worry that uh, we're ever going to be broke or hungry or destitute because we work really hard. And right now, you know, We've got some growing pains in the business, but it'll be what it's going to be. But at the same time, we have, a, you know, a whole other, we have two other businesses that we didn't have two years ago. So, yeah. And like I said, the money thing, I don't, it's not because I'm worried that we're not going to eat or anything like that. I just know how much things cost and how much it costs to keep everything rolling. And yeah. I, I know those things too. I just know that we're going to keep making money. It's a weird part of me. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's survival, right? Do we have enough things to live comfortably? Yes. Do I want to make a lot more money? Also? Yes. Because, <laughs> uh, because why not? I also don't know how to not work. Like James has gotten, he, we, that's been a discussion lately. He's like, I don't know how you turned into the girl that doesn't shut down. I was like, I, I don't know either, but here I am. It's all good. All good. Well, that was a nice journey with Brett today to see kind of more of the history and less of how we got here. And a lot of it is apparently you throwing darts at a board and hoping for the best. You know, and well, um, Pretty much, pretty much. I mean, we've had a lot of decisions It's we've just made that we weren't sure how we were going to handle and just made them. And if it didn't work, we try again. Like the hardest thing that we've done is ever is 
know what to do with our kids when we decided to pull them out of public school and come down here. And now <clears throat> last year was not great. This year is so much better. Two things that Brandon has always been on his goal list was to have a stud and to have a horse sale after we left the horse sale. And I, the stud came first. He had a few, like, I feel like that was something that was just stumbled upon. It was not, Spottish was stumbled upon. I will never forget, like, I'm like, I hope someday we're able to stand in a winter circle somewhere with one of his offspring and tell the story because the day that Brandon bought him was, I think he bought him in July. I was sick, Grimmy, like down in my bed, sick, could not have cared less to hear what he was going to call and tell me. And he called and he's like, you're not going to believe this. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I bought our stud. And I'm like, awesome. You don't even want to know what he is. And I'm like, Brandon, I feel like a dog's ass right now. I don't really care about much of anything. And he got pissed at me, Rumi. He was pissed at me because I didn't care. And I'm like, I do not feel good right now. <laughs> unless, unless he is a hot water bottle and a cup of tea, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I did not Don't tell me care. later. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, I, he got mad. I remember him being like, well. I'll call somebody else in and tell them I got them. I'm like, well, you do that because I don't feel good. When I feel better, I will call you back and we can discuss this. But uh, that was a big day. That was a big day in our life and hopefully continues. Um, for those of you who don't know, we own a horse called Spottish. He's a full brother to Hottish. Uh, and last year, we didn't know what to do with them. We were still in the process of getting everything figured out. This year we put him at Buffalo Ranch. So he's standing there in Texas. And yesterday was like a big deal for me, Remy, because he paid for himself. For the first month, he paid for himself. There was no bill. Um, so that is that was a big deal. We feel like super good about all of that. And I'm loving it because I did not want a stallion at our property. It's too hard to manage a stud. We don't have the time you have to, in anything that you do that's self-employed, you have to know what you can and cannot do. And that is something that we cannot do. So I think he's in the best hands possible. And then the horse sale. Well, also another one of Brandon's goals and dreams. And then I get stuck with the stuff that he doesn't like to do that he's not good at. And I'm really not that great at it either. And then that kind of whips me up, but we're getting through it. No, it's a, uh... yeah, I, I'm excited for your horse sale. I'm excited for you guys to come to Vegas for our show. It's going to be, yeah. you know, it's the, I, 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 it is a conversation that James and I have a lot, like when we get mad, right? It's like, look around at everything that we have before we cry because someone's playing in our sandbox. But, but in the moment, it's really tough. But it's the same thing, like we have the cows south of us. And like James said, 10 years ago, we'd have given anything to be partner to have it. Five years ago, we'd have been, done anything to be partners with those guys on it. And now we do anything to have them back. 
I go, so you've got your dream. Not all the pieces you wanted of it, but you have your dream. So just take a deep breath and look at that happy kettle. I think that for me, I'm just, um, and I think about it a lot. Like I bitch about my kids more than anything, but what this life has definitely afforded us more than anything is the opportunity to be together all the time. And it's a lot, but it is the best part about it. It's the best part about it. And like to see your kids grow up in front of your eyes. Um, and I know I've talked about it on here, but I don't, I don't think that anybody really truly understands. Like the biggest part about all of what we do, Remy, is the feeling I get of what we did to our kids. Like, I feel like I know that we've given them something more that like we've given them an opportunity to live a life that not many kids have that a lot of livestock kids would love but we've also taken away a lot of the things that were normal to them like the public school system their friends and um i worry about that every day like god i hope i'm not fucking them up by doing that and i know everybody's like oh you're not fucking them up okay until you're in my shoes and you see like sometimes them crying to you about missing their friends and it's not so much Bodie as it is Bronzy, where it's hard for him. He doesn't understand. And so in the back of my mind, I always think about that. But then there are so many good things that I see in, like, the people. It's just so good. Like, everybody wants to win, right? Winning's awesome. But winning is not everything. Like, I've seen my kids win a lot of big things. I've seen my husband win a lot of big things. But you know what makes my heart even happier is, like, when Desta, my little homeschool gal, drives in my driveway and comes and plays football with my kids when they don't, they don't have anybody right now besides adults or um, goes and shoots coyotes with them. I don't even know how to fucking use a gun and they're out here shooting coyotes. That sounds like a great idea, right? But it's cool. It's cool. Like when they come and pick the kids up to go to a roping or we have kids staying here now and they're outside roping a dummy and playing football. Like those are literally the moments that make my heart burst at the seams because they're living such a different life than what they're used to and they're making the best of it. And that's the hardest part about this whole life is doing something that you think might mess your kids up. And for me, I feel like taking them out of everything that they've known could potentially mess them up. Even though when I watch them and I see them, I know that we're doing really good things for them, but it still sticks in the back of my head. Yeah. Again, to the argument that you are now forever a mother first. Yeah, it is. Uh, don't worry, they can cry when they're in normal school too. I'm still, I'm still doing Oh yeah, I know. I know. You know. I'm still, I'm still dealing with that. And I think it's hard. I, I do, right? Because again, that's, it's the leap of faith that you're willing to take for yourself. It's much harder to take that leap of faith for your children. Yeah. Right. You know, you'll survive. 
but will Absolutely. they survive? And they will survive, right? But there's that's that's your mother's instinct is how do I make sure that they survive as untouched as possible? Yeah. And I like I said, I know that like such good things are coming out of this lifestyle for them, especially versus public school these days. But it's just hard sometimes when they're having a shitty day, a rough day. Um, we missed our friends. Bronson, I was trying to be such a hard ass with him because his phone. His phone is how he stays in contact with his friends from school. He has not seen any of them since the beginning of November. But two weeks ago, he broke his freaking phone. And I told him, you break the phone, I'm not getting you another one. You're going to have to wait until the contract's up in March. And he was good about it for two weeks, Remy. And then finally he came to me and I, and it was something I didn't think about. He came to me and he started crying a little bit and he's like, mom, I know you don't want to get me a new phone until March. I know you told me that that wasn't the deal, but I don't get to see my friends and my, that my phone is how I stay, I was staying in contact with my friends. That's how I talk to them. Now I can't even talk to him. I don't get to see him. And now I don't get to talk to him at all. Well, we were in the truck. I didn't sound in like a half hour after that because I felt terrible. I get it. I get it. Try to minimize the, I don't know, heartbreak or as much as I can. No, it's, uh, there's a very good charter school down here that you have to get in through a lottery. And I'm having Kyle apply to it and he goes, I don't want to leave my friends. He's like, but this opportunity, if you get in, is a it's a very, very good school. But I don't want to leave my friends. And it's like, how do you explain to them at this point that some things mean more than others and you can still be friends with those people because it's not like, and for us, it's not even like we're moving somewhere. He's just going to go to a different school if he gets in. And all this could be for naught because he could also just not get in, right? He could not get the lottery in. And now he's worried. And again, as a mother, how do I know that you have a better shot at a different education at this school and still deal with him being very upset about not wanting to leave his friends? And again, I'm not moving two states away. You know, it's... This other school is like 10 minutes from that one. So. Yeah, they're resilient little buggers. and. But your kids are good. You're doing a good job. They'll be fine. Or, you know. Or we could hear about any of them. Mine included on like a true crime podcast in 20 years. And then they'll. They'll go back to this and you'll be like, I, I, this is evidence of what happened. I shouldn't have done that. No. <laughs> well, it was a good chat this morning. Yeah. Thank um, you, Remy. We have a show this weekend at the house. You have your cowgirl sword at your house. Mm -hmm. um, you've got the sale March 18th and 19th. We have a jackpot March 18th and 19th. And uh, we're going to go from there. So. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. Until then, be bold, bold, be brave, be humble. Have a good week, Remy. Bye.